Well, find Acts chapter 9 in your New Testament this morning. We are wrapping up this series called How It's Done. And I hope that this series, that these group of teachings, I hope that they have been encouraging to your hearts. I hope that they've been challenging to your life and how you live your life. And I hope that God has been speaking to you as he reveals to us his plan and his will for us through his word. So we're in this series called How It's Done, and this series has been on purpose. It's about, we've been looking at the church in Acts. There's several churches that are represented there in Acts. There's the church in Jerusalem, and then there are the churches that are throughout Galilee and Samaria. And so churches like Philippi, and Ephesus, Thessalonica, and Colossae, these types of churches are represented in the timeline of Acts. And so we've been studying and we've been looking at this one verse in Acts 9.31, and the verse says this, it says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit it multiplied. We love to see things increase, right? I mean, if I were to go around the room this morning and I were to ask you, do you like to see things increase? I think the majority of us would all say, absolutely. We love for our bank accounts to increase. Am, am I, is it just me? I like to watch my bank account increase. If you are a little bit older, and, and I'm getting a little bit older, as I approach my 40s, my retirement account means a little more to me than it used to. I like to watch that account increase. I like to see things multiply. I like to see things change. There are physical things as well, like, like gardens. Uh, collections, things that you like to collect. For me, it's toy tractors. That's lame, I know. But I collect toy tractors, specifically the red ones. But I like to see that, that collection increase. Or maybe for you, it's, it's clothing. Or maybe it's muscles. <laughs> you like to see your muscles increase and multiply and grow. And, and some of us are... are seeing an increase in things that we, that we want to get bigger and others, we're seeing a decrease. You know, maybe, you're, maybe your bank account's going the other direction. Maybe your retirement account's going the other direction. And, and there are so many reasons for increases and for decreases or downturns. Some of those things we can explain. Some of those things we cannot explain. There is, there is, we only have so much power. We only have so much control over the things in our lives. But this morning, I want to direct your attention to an area of your life that may or may not be increasing. So I want you to think for just a moment about your spiritual life. Is it increasing or is it decreasing? Are you seeing growth? And there are reasons for, for increase and there are reasons for decrease when it comes to our spiritual lives. I mean, we could think of things, uh, let's just talk about distractions for a second. There are 
There are things that distract us from seeing an increase in our hearts and minds on a spiritual level. Now, we can list those things, and maybe you are making your own list right now in your mind. It could be the distraction of someone that you love or that you're pursuing. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Anything that you're pursuing with all of your heart is an idol. It can be a distraction. Or maybe you're distracted by the pursuit of all the things that you think that you need in this life. Maybe it's stuff Maybe you are simply distracted by the pursuit of a rising bank account and that is your goal in life is to have as much money as possible. Maybe you are, maybe you're, 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 there's a distraction of, of social media. Maybe it's your career. I mean, these things are not bad things, but they can be a distraction in your life. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe you just, you're not seeing an increase in your spiritual life because you're just lazy. Or maybe it's not laziness. Maybe it's the issue of apathy. You're just apathetic to the things of God and spiritual things. There are other things that you really, they're just more fun, right? There are other things that are just more exciting than following Jesus and doing his will for your life. And it's not always super exciting. I have to go to church and listen to this dude talk for 40 minutes every week. It's just not exciting. I'm just not looking forward to that. Or maybe it's not distractions or apathy or laziness. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you're not growing spiritually and you're not seeing an increase, but you're seeing a decrease in your life on a spiritual level because you're just really, really mad this morning. You're mad at God because he didn't give you something that you want or he took something away from you that you loved. And so that's why maybe you're not seeing an increase in your life spiritually. And so that's what this last word here in Acts 9.31 is going to point us to this morning. You see, this church here in Judea and in Samaria and in Galilee and in Jerusalem, this church, they, they did something specific. Now, we know that they had peace, that they were being built up, and they walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But then it says they multiplied. That word could also be translated as they increased. So this morning we're going to spend a little time talking about that word. The, the, the church right here, I'm going to go back for just a second. The church, this is ecclesia. This is, this is an assembly or a gathering of people who follow Jesus, who know Jesus, and who want to worship Jesus. And so God is going to give us some specific ways that we're going to do that. So we've seen in Acts 9.31, that, that, and that's been our main focus, and it's where the Holy Spirit has been, he has inspired Luke to tell us how the early church has multiplied. And the word actually means, as I mentioned a moment ago, it means that it increased. Now, certainly, the, the only way the church grew wasn't just in numbers or attendance, although that's part of it. 
but there are a lot of things, there's so many things taking place. You don't have to turn there, but maybe make a note. In Acts chapter 10, just one chapter past chapter 9, Peter stands up and he preaches another message, and he communicates once again these same five things that we're looking at right here in this one verse. He talks about how how the church increases and that it benefits the kingdom and that it glorifies God. And, but here's, here's what's true about every single message that Peter and John and James and Paul and Timothy, here's, here's the common theme in all of their messages. It's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the thing that brings the increase, that brings the multiplying. And so we see something happening in this significant history-changing time period. And that's the simple truth, that the gospel cannot be stopped. And, and I, I want to be careful with, with how far I take this this morning, because things can get hard, things can get challenging, but write this down and you can take this to the bank. No matter what happens in the culture around us, the gospel cannot be stopped. The gospel can't be stopped. And I said this several months ago. Now, the gospel may stop being preached in churches, but God will just raise up another one. We may have to go underground. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but what I do know is the gospel is the thing that will change lives a hundred years from now if we're still here. The gospel has changed me. The gospel has more than likely changed you if you know him. He has if you know him. Now, I want you to flip back just a few pages in your Bibles to Acts chapter 5 for just a minute. And so this gospel that can't be stopped, there's a lot going on in in the first five, six chapters of of Acts specifically. But in Acts 5, I love the picture that Luke gives us here in verse 12, 13, and 14. So Luke writes for us what he sees happening, what he hears is happening in these communities, these, these assemblies, the ecclesia. He says, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. And none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, more than ever, it says, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes. I love the words that Luke uses. He says, more than ever, believers are being added to the Lord and multitudes. That word is massive. You can insert massive or or monstrous. Multitudes of both men and women. In Acts chapter 2, we see that 3,000 people are saved at Pentecost and added to the church. They were baptized. They became a part of the ecclesia. In Acts chapter 4, 5,000 men alone are saved. That doesn't include women and children who were saved as a result of that movement. And in Acts chapter 16, it says, So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. God was on the move. 
in the book of Acts. And some of us, we've been a part of incredible movements of God, things that can only be explained by the power of the Holy Spirit. I have seen God do some incredible things in my short 38-year lifespan. And it's God's work. We just get to witness it. And so while this was a special time in history, in church history specifically, the New Testament, it continues. The church continues to spread. It continues to to multiply. Multitudes continue to be saved. God is doing an incredible work because people were obedient to the command and the will of God. I mean, just think about this statement, this question. If everyone shared the gospel daily, like Acts says was taking place in these churches, would we still have the same results in 2022 as they did in AD 50? I mean, just think about you and your daily rhythms and routines. I'm considering mine as well. But what if this ecclesia, this assembly, this gathering of people, what if, what if we decided that we were going to share the gospel every single day? Would we see this increase? Would we see this multiplying type of movement that we see taking place in Acts? I I think we would. I don't know, but I, I think we would. And it's not just so we get bigger. It's so the kingdom gets bigger. And that's what our mission is, is to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. So you read the New Testament, and I think that we see this theme that we've been talking about for the last four, five, six months now, actually seven months now, this idea of build, share, and bring. The church was building relationships They were sharing the story. They were sharing the hope of the gospel. They were sharing their testimony and what God was doing in their lives. And they were bringing people to come and see and know and experience and pass from death into life. We see that laid out for us by Jesus himself in John chapter 4. You see, when any church stays faithful to what it's called and commanded to do, it will grow. It will grow in wisdom, in knowledge, and in numbers. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, I, Paul, planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. And that's what we still do today. Churches are planted, churches are restarted. Pastors and leaders and teachers, they, they water those, those plants, and then God gives the increase. No man can ever take one single piece of credit for what happens inside the church walls or outside the church walls. We talk about Billy Graham and the power of the Billy Graham Crusades. It wasn't Billy Graham that was powerful. He was obedient to the call to proclaim the gospel. He proclaimed a gospel that is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and God gave an increase. No man builds a church. God does 
through faithful obedience. So, the church grew in numbers, but is there more? Is there more to it than just developing a a large group of people and gathering them together to sing songs? What else is there? Now, this phrase for being multiplied that we see in Acts 9, 31, it shows up all throughout the New Testament. And it doesn't just connect to issues of numerical growth. It doesn't just apply to building a, a, a building full of people. Although that is part of it, by the way. But what else multiplies? And so there are a few things that multiply in the church when we are faithful to do what God has called us to do. These are repeated themes, by the way. There's nothing new that I'm going to share with you this morning. Or I'm actually going to repeat several themes that I've been repeating for a long time now. So the repeated themes, the things that multiply, the things that increase in the New Testament church are things like knowledge, discipleship, grace, love, mercy, and peace. You see, when we follow his plan, we will multiply. And so the first thing that we see this morning as we do this work is we grow in knowledge. We grow in knowledge. Listen to what, listen to what Acts 6 says. It says, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. In Acts chapter 12, it says, but the word of God increased and multiplied. In Acts 19, it says, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Now, I want you to notice what word doesn't show up here. We grow in knowledge. We don't just get knowledge. Just think about what Ephesians tells us. It says that they grew in in maturity. They grew into Christ, who is the head, and they grew up in him. We don't just get knowledge. Getting knowledge isn't enough. We need to grow in our knowledge. That's what that text means. The word of God, it increased because of what we see in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, because they were devoted to the word. So they were devoted to his word. They heard his word taught. They didn't actually have the New Testament at this time. So they grew in knowledge. So the question is, are we growing in knowledge? Are you growing in knowledge? Now, we, we see this happening all around us. Maybe it's happening in your own life. We, we study the Bible together. That's one of the beautiful things about our small groups is they take our content from Sunday mornings and they continue the conversation throughout the week because we don't want you to just hear content on Sunday We don't want you to just come to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, as it used to be, and just get a bunch of information. We want you to hear it, process it, and grow as a result of it. And so the question is, are you growing in knowledge or are you just getting knowledge? When I graduated high school and I took off for Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, One of my main goals, and this is just, I guess this is a character flaw of mine. I just wanted to get some knowledge so I looked cool and sounded smart. 
And what I found as I went and got knowledge is it really didn't do anything until I decided to grow in maturity because of the knowledge. And so we must grow in knowledge. They were devoted to this in the early church. So we grow in knowledge, and then the one that we love to say things about, but we don't actually like to do, and, and honestly, we're, we're partly confused by it. So we grow in knowledge, and then we make disciples. We know what Matthew 28 says so clearly. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If we are living faithfully as a disciple, the, that results then in you passing that on to someone else. This, is, this has been so debated in the church world. Is it a 16 or 17 week course? Is it a 10 week course? That's too long, maybe it's a six week course. That's still too long. So maybe it's a two week course with some at home stuff. And there are books that have been written. I've read several, The Disciple Making Church, you know, uh, you know, multiply by Francis Chan and, and David Platt. Like uh, there, there's, there's a book, there's an opinion, there's a perspective on all of it. I just think maybe it's Matthew 28. Maybe it's just what Matthew 28 says. To go, which means we take the gospel with us daily as we see in Acts. We make disciples, which means we, we point people. It's, I've heard this phrase, it's life on life. We make disciples, we do life together, we grow in knowledge, we tell, tell the gospel, we take the gospel to the world, we, we see people saved, we see them baptized, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, and then we teach people to obey. A good disciple maker is going to push you toward obedience. If someone is investing in you spiritually and it's not an investment toward obedience to the commands and the call of God, then they're not making a disciple in you. Maybe it's, they're making a disciple of themselves. So we, we have to get this right. Being a disciple is simply being fully devoted to Jesus and being a student. This connects right back to the issue of growing in knowledge. They work together, they, they're, in, they're in tandem. And once again, we see this happening in ways that I, I, we can't put it on the stage. In our small groups, where people are doing life together, they're studying God's word, they're talking about their issues with it. Here's why I'm struggling and sharing the gospel. And then somebody else says, here's how this can get better in your life. As iron sharpens iron, that's what happens in our in-home adult small groups every single week. They're growing in wisdom and in knowledge, and they're living life together. I hope I could communicate more to you. Actually, I will in March. But small groups are the most important part of our church outside of the preaching of God's word. We see it in Acts chapter 2. That's why we do it here so consistently and with so much passion. 
So we grow in knowledge. We make disciples. And then it's not just about things that we do, but it's about his work in us. So we need to allow grace to do its work in us. Are you allowing grace to do its work in you? It says that grace was multiplied. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, according to the foreknowledge of God and the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Are you allowing grace to do its work in your heart? Are you allowing Jesus to move in deep ways in you? Because here's the truth. Jesus does it. Grace is from Jesus. Grace is what Jesus gives to us. It's something we don't deserve. It's unmerited. It's, it's Christ who keeps and strengthens and increases our faith. And then we let mercy, peace, and love be multiplied in us. We let love and mercy and peace, we allow those things to increase. These are three blessings that come our way from this increasing that Paul talks about, that Peter is talking about, that Luke is writing to us about. I love in Jude, it starts off and it says that the believers were, were called and they were loved and they were kept. And then in verse, verse two, it says, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you or increased in you. I love that challenge and that reminder that we have. We allow grace to do its work, but then it just continues because we can enjoy this thing called mercy. The word mercy shows up almost 500 times in the Bible. 80-some times it shows up in the New Testament, 400-plus times it shows up in the Old Testament. And, it's, and, and there's, there's this distinct thing that we see as we read it and as we look at its context. Mercy is something that none of us deserve. But we've been given it. This connects back to this the character of God that we talked about several weeks ago, this, this compassion, this empathy, this loving kindness that we see in our God. Like grace, it's undeserved. And we should receive it because God gives it to us. And then we should give it. We should give mercy like we have been given mercy. I love the illustration in Luke chapter 10 of the Good Samaritan who is beaten and he's left for dead on the side of the road. And if you know the context, you know the history, you know, we give those who passed him by a bad rap. And, and honestly, we, we should, okay? We should give those who passed him by a bad rap. But the road to, to Damascus was, was, a, was, not a, it was not a safe road. 
And so those who passed by the Good Samaritan who was laying there half dead on the side of the road, they may have thought, hey, this is an ambush because that happened quite a bit. Someone's faking being hurt, so I stop and help. Then I get ambushed and I get robbed. So that's what happened a lot on the road to Damascus. But we see the story that that two men pass by and then the third stops and he offers mercy at an expense of himself. It took his time and, if you read the story, it took his money because he paid to have that person taken care of to be given medical attention. It's the same thing I think about. It's a great parable and an illustration of who we are. We are dead in our sin. We are lying lifeless on the road. We have no hope for a future. And God saw us and he loved us. And at a great expense to himself, he showed us mercy. We can enjoy that mercy. You can enjoy that mercy. God moved and Jesus came to fix us. And because of that mercy, by the way, we can enjoy the peace that we've been talking about the last five weeks. The word for peace that's in Jude, and in the second verse of Jude, it shows up a little over 90 times in the New Testament. And it's connected to the Hebrew word shalom. That God is the source of peace. We see that in Judges chapter 6 where God is called Jehovah Shalom. That God alone is the source of all of our peace. But he's also, Jesus is also the Prince of Peace. We see that in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 through 7. But we see this Prince of Peace, offering us peace in Romans 5, where it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through this mercy, grace-giving God. So we can enjoy mercy and we can enjoy peace, but he brings peace to us. He brings peace on the inside. Philippians 4 reminds us that we are to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, we are to let our requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He gives us eternal peace. 1 Corinthians 2 says, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And if I could sum it all up this morning, we are loved abundantly. Who is humanity? Who is man? The psalmist would write, Paul would echo it later, that our creator would love us. You see, God is love. And that means that he always wants and he will always seek our highest good, even including discipline and even at a great cost to himself. In John 17, it says that as the Father has loved the Son, so he has also loved us. And nothing can separate us from that love. Your biggest attempts at earning love are pointless. Because you don't have to. 
because nothing will ever separate us, separate us from his love. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul reminds us that because love is at the very center of who God is, it will never fail and it will never end. That is really encouraging. That's extremely powerful news this morning that these things, that these things will be multiplied in you. They will increase in us. It's a promise that he's given us if we choose to follow Jesus with all that we have. Because when we follow his plan, we will multiply. When we follow his plan, we will multiply. Not our plan, not what we think should happen, but what his plan is. So how, how will we be multiplied? How will our church be multiplied when we follow his plan? It's not more complicated than that. If we want to see an increase in our church, if you want to see an increase in your own spiritual life, it will always be his plan. So will you follow his plan? Will you grow in knowledge? Will you share the gospel daily? Will you make disciples? Will you allow grace to do its work? And will you let love, mercy, and peace be multiplied in you? Because when we follow that plan, God brings an increase. So I want to go back for just a second to this verse in Acts 9.31. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. Are we living at peace today? Are you pursuing peace or are you preventing peace? That was week one of this series. And what are some things that, that keep us from experiencing peace? We talked about three of those things. False teaching, gossip, and idol worship. They will rob the ecclesia of peace. The assembly will lack peace if we are not pursuing peace. If we are not pursuing Jesus. That second phrase of being built up. So they had peace and they were being built up. The church was built to serve. So are you involved? We are strengthened to serve by the truth. Once again, comes back to this week's point of growing in knowledge. And then we should serve in love. That when we serve in love, the church is built up. We walk in the fear of the Lord. We do what he commands us to do. We avoid sin. We grow in sanctification. And we worship with all that we have. Last week, we talked about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That he's a comforter. That we are never alone. That we are eternally protected. That we are comforted by his word. We are comforted through prayer. That our comfort, our greatest comfort, will always come from him. I think it's a sure bet that when we follow his plan, it's the best plan. I think you could take that statement to the bank today and you will see an increase in your investment. 
not in a health and wealth type of way, but in a kingdom multiplying kind of way. So, are you pursuing peace? Are you being built up? Are you walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Are you seeing an increase? See, when the history books are written, when the stories are written about us, what will they say? Will they say, hey, West Hill Baptist Church was a church that, that had peace, they were being built up, they were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Spirit, and God was bringing an increase? Will that be written about our church? Nope, not if we're not being obedient to his commands. But it will be said about us if we're faithful and if we're true to what God has called us to do. Here's a couple of questions I want you to think about today. Maybe over lunch, you can talk about these as a family. So what part do you need to play when it comes to your personal walk with Jesus? Not when part, what part? What part do you need to play when it comes to your personal walk with Jesus? How do you need to increase? It's a great question, by the way, to ask your kids. How are you seeing an increase in your own spiritual life? Because mommy and daddy's faith isn't going to carry you into the future. What about the role you play in our church? How will you be used to increase the church? And are you willing to do what it takes? It's great questions to talk about today over lunch. A variation of those will be discussed this week in our small groups. See, when we follow his plan, we will multiply. So maybe you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus. What will you do? Will you follow him? Will you obey him? And will you see the increase? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful and thankful this morning for the finished work of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that we would be a church that has peace, that we would be built up, that we would walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and that we would see the increase that you want to bring. God, this morning I pray for anyone who is struggling with their faith. Living in this world is real. The struggles are real. The enemy is real. It's hard it's, it's really hard to follow you sometimes. So God, I pray for that struggling person in the room this morning, God, that your spirit would comfort them and encourage them and empower them. God, I pray that we would be a church that is multiplying, that we would be growing in knowledge, that we would be making disciples, that we would remember that your grace is enough that it's working in us and that we would allow mercy, peace, and love to be multiplied in our hearts today. We're thankful for those things because they're only made available to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.